Hi everyone, welcome to Chaos, which is a podcast about communication, conflict, conflict resolution, creativity, and other stuff. I'm Alan Sharland, the Chaos Podcast host, and in this first episode, I'm going to tell you a bit more about what these podcasts are going to be about, why I'm doing them, what I'd love to hear from you about, such as your questions, your comments, and your requests for future topics to be covered. Uh, so, I'm a mediator and conflict coach and I've been a mediator for 24 years and I've worked in the field of mediation ever since. Uh, I'm director of Chaos Conflict Management which is based in London, UK and Chaos has been operating since 2011. I also train mediators and conflict coaches. So what is mediation? There are often some quite limiting definitions of mediation out there that for me give a very narrow portrayal of what mediation is and what it can offer. Uh, For me, mediation is a process that supports more effective communication and creative thinking in response to an unresolved conflict. Uh, And it's that simple. Uh, And because it's that simple, it can be incredibly effective in helping people to resolve a difficulty they're experiencing with one or more other people. Um, Unfortunately, I think when mediation isn't seen as that simple and as something that's much more complex, uh, it becomes much less effective and in some circumstances can even add to the difficulties people are experiencing. Uh, But we'll almost certainly come to looking at those kinds of uh, situations in future podcasts. For now, I'd like to focus on the fact that it can help people to communicate more effectively and to think creatively with regard to their unresolved conflict in ways that may have been suppressed or inhibited in some way by other circumstances or other interventions. Um, So the tagline for Chaos Conflict Management is that we promote mindful communication and growth through conflict. And again, the ways in which we believe we achieve that will become more apparent uh, in future Uh, episodes or future podcasts Uh, and that's my intention obviously for the the podcast to be a kind of an exploration of what's involved in supporting effective resolution of conflict um, through either the process of mediation or uh, people having conflict coaching Um, and I see both of them as kind of tools that people can pick up and use to help them with something and then put down and put away when the tool has been of use. Um, So I will often talk of providing mediation as opposed to I mediate um, because often that can give a suggestion that I'm the person who fixes people's problems for them. Um, Whereas the important thing about mediation and conflict coaching is we're helping people to create their own answers and one of the challenges of being a mediator is to Uh, stop oneself from thinking I know the answer for you and I'm going to fix you and I'm going to fix your situation Uh, the beauty for me about mediation is it respects people's complete knowledge of themselves such that they're always going to be the best ones to fix their interpersonal conflicts with other people um, better than anybody else can and I think one of the dangers uh, within mediation can be where mediators feel that they are the people who are going to fix the relationship. And we'll look, as I say in future podcasts, at the the ways in which uh, some practices within mediation and even some movements that are starting to happen within mediation imply that, that the mediator is the fixer, 
that the conflict coach is the fixer of people's problems, um, which effectively completely eliminates its purpose because there are plenty of other processes which see it see themselves as fixers of things. The whole beauty and point of mediation, as I say, is that its purpose is to help people who draw upon the inherent kind of resources that they have and their absolute knowledge of themselves way beyond knowledge that anybody else could have about them um, and bringing those to bear to actually create a better way forward for themselves uh, and the point of mediation and conflict coaching is simply to provide a kind of reflective and creative space in which that can be possible for people um, and I recognise that at first some of that language a creative and reflective space can sound quite woolly to people uh, and kind of you know airy fairy but you know, hopefully, again, as we go through the podcast, you'll start to see the reality of what that actually means. Um, because so often people aren't given space to actually just stop and reflect and then move forward and be creative about their difficulty. What often happens is they've got a lot of um, other people telling them, you should do this, you should do that. No, you don't want to do this. Um, well, I've analysed your situation and I think this is best for you, <clears throat> which are in many ways not respecting the fact that the person does have that much greater understanding of themselves and their situation than anybody else could because they're the ones who've lived their lives they're the ones who have come to understand their own perspectives on things their own values their own challenges their own excitements their fears the things that intimidate them they will always know that better than anybody else possibly can and i think there's always a risk that practitioners start to analyse people and put them in boxes and make generalisations about them and therefore ultimately become ineffective if they're wanting to provide something like mediation. Um, so that's the purpose or one of the purposes of the of the uh, series of podcasts that I hope to be able to put out to you all. Um, as I've said at the start, I hope that if you've got your own requests and interests and puzzlements and questions and comments that you'll share those um, and they can inform the future directions of the podcast. Uh, I'm hoping to address all sorts of different areas in which mediation has proven to be very useful and I think for a lot of people that might be surprising. Uh, there's often quite a limited view of uh, or a limited portrayal, let's put it that way, of the areas in which mediation is used. Um, but actually they're incredibly broad and uh, then there will often be people that I can interview who will be able to talk about the various different areas in which it's used and I myself have also practiced in probably seven or eight different areas of mediation so I'll be talking about those experiences as the podcast go through as well. What I hope you will find to be a fitting first theme for uh, the first Chaos podcast, um, what I want to do now is explore or, or introduce effectively how mediation sees conflict. Um, there are various associations with conflict that people have um, and we explore that with people when they first train as mediators and conflict coaches. Um, 
And what we do is we do an exercise that's called four word build. And what we do is we ask uh, people to write down any four words that come up for them when they think of conflict. And there's no right or wrong answers to this. It's just to explore what people's own uh, perceptions of conflict are, what their experiences of it, what they think about it, how they see it. So any four words that they come up with. And it may be that, as I describe it, you want to uh, explore it yourself or you may even want to use the exercise with a group of people that you're aware of might be interested in doing so. Um, but as I say, we ask people to write down four words that uh, they associate with conflict. And then what we do is we ask people to then form pairs with uh, so join up with somebody else and they will then have eight words between them uh, that they associate with conflict in their pair. And we ask them to keep four and to get rid of four. So they have a discussion about which four they're going to keep and which ones they're going to get rid of. And that immediately starts to uh, show people that there are different understandings and different experiences of conflict and different associations with it. Um but once that pair have decided on their four words from their original eight, we ask each pair to then join with another pair. Um, so then you're going to have four people coming together, looking at their uh, what will then be eight words, four from each pair coming together and ask them to do exactly the same again. So from those eight words that originally was 16 words, we're going to ask them to... Um, uh, decide on another four words so the four words that come up for all four people um, and we usually stop at that point but obviously the potential is then to ask two groups of four to join together and have the same discussion um, but what we normally do is we ask them for people to share from their groups of four their four words for conflict and we'll take them to a flip chart um, and see what the words are that people come up with and normally we work in groups of probably um, uh, eight to 12, somewhere like that. So we normally try to arrange it so we get about eight words on the flip chart. Um, and then we just explore what those words are, um, what what they look like to everybody, what people uh, notice about them. And obviously every time we do the exercise, they're entirely different words. Uh, there'll be some crossovers from one time we do it to another, obviously, but the actual set of eight words that we get will always be different because every group is different. Um, and I would um, perhaps venture that even if we did it on a different day with the same group, the words that come up would be different because our kind of way of seeing something or thinking about something will be affected by just how we're feeling on that day perhaps but as I say we get eight words on the flip chart and we then look at those eight words and those eight words have effectively been created or decided upon by the whole group and what will almost always be a feature of the eight words is that they're often considered to be negative by the people in, who look at them in the group so it might be things like war or violence or argument or disagreement or something like misunderstanding or um, any kind of words. You'll probably have your own that you you may have thought of yourself in the meantime. Um, but sometimes also, sometimes people will say something like uh, transformative or opportunity or um, time for reflection or something like that. And... Uh, or not time for reflection, but reflection, just because they're only allowed one word at the time. Um, 
And what we then explore is what it is that means that people always have a negative association with conflict. Because what we then go on to say is that, um, or talk about, is that conflict is actually inevitable. It's never not going to happen. So often what is the case is that people's associations with conflict are negative because they're thinking more about the responses to conflict, the way that, that they've seen people respond to conflict. So it might be abuse or it might be violence or it might be um, cold, giving people the cold shoulder or, or something like that. So and and what that means is what they're often doing is they're overlooking the fact that that we experience conflict every day and we actually deal with it very effectively. We might have a discussion with someone in our workplace and they've got a different view to things to us, but we don't fall out over it. We don't abuse each other. We actually listen to each other and we learn from each other's perspective. And actually maybe we decide on a better way forward because of our different perspectives. Maybe there's something they say to us uh, that we didn't realize that then helps us to see things differently. And if you notice, we're actually always doing that day in, day out with people. And it's only sometimes that it becomes a, a kind of a personal problem between us and the other person. We may think they're being difficult. We may think they're being deliberately um, obstructive over something. Or they may speak about our view in a way which we find disrespectful. Or we might do that to them. But it will only be sometimes that that happens. It will be only in certain interactions and in certain cases. Most of the time, we're very, very good at responding to conflict, but we don't give ourselves enough credit for it. Um, and so what mediation is about, as I said earlier, it's very simple. Its purpose is very simple. It's simply to help people who are experiencing that kind of unresolved conflict where they haven't been able to move through and create a different way forward to return to what they already know, which is how to go about doing that. It's just helping them to to, re, to respond to the situation in a way that they already have the capacity to do, but for different reasons they haven't been able to do in, this, in that particular situation. Um, and so uh, once people have kind of done this exercise, they come to see that we can often have a very negative perspective on conflict, but actually it can be also an, an incredible creative opportunity to... to uh, to transform things, to create change, to learn, to um, understand another person differently, um, or sometimes just to do things practically differently, whatever it might be. And I'll come to a way of describing that that we use uh, a little bit later. But the main point I want to make is that conflict, um, or, or in fact, what we say to people on the course, we, we give them a kind of a conventional understanding of conflict from a perspective of mediation and conflict coaching. And what we say is mediation sees conflict as an inevitable part of life arising from difference. And as such is neither good nor bad. What matters is how we respond to a conflict. Conflict can be responded to destructively and ineffectively or constructively and effectively. We frequently respond to conflict constructively and effectively without realising it. But when the responses to conflict have become destructive and ineffective, mediation simply seeks to support a return to our ability to be constructive and effective in our response to it. And as I say, that's all mediation's doing. It's got no other purpose. It's not trying to find blame. 
It's not trying to find truth or lies or wrong or right. It's just saying there's been some reason why this has got blocked, why this isn't working. And the purpose of mediation is to help people move through that. And again, while I speak in language that some people might think sounds very simplistic and very um, easygoing, this can be applied in some of the most difficult interactions and relationship breakdowns that you can imagine. Um, but when that simple purpose is there behind the mediation process, um, it's quite amazing sometimes how people do when they're given the opportunity bring to bear their innate ability to actually create a way forward. Um, even where perhaps the other person doesn't think that that's actually their, the other person's intention or even if they have the capacity to do that. Um, but when people do see that mediation is only for that purpose and they understand that if they're going to turn up to it, that's what it's for, it's quite amazing sometimes what people create given the opportunity to direct their energy towards being creative and constructive in their response instead of becoming involved in a, in a very personal, damaging, destruct, destructive, abusive, perhaps even violent uh, response to the situation they find themselves in. So um, that's, uh, as I say, that's one of the first things that we explore with people when we do uh, mediation training, because we want to help people to see that this is the position that mediation is coming from, um, that it understands that conflict will always happen, but it doesn't see it as something that's negative that has to be suppressed or contained it's about giving it an opportunity to be expressed in a way that is always focused on trying to be constructive in the situation and useful and um, uh, and therefore it becomes an opportunity it becomes an opportunity for change and the creation of that change So as we go into the third and final part of this first podcast, um, I want to just continue a little bit more with that theme of the idea of conflict being an opportunity. Um, and I want to start by giving you two quotes which have quite a lot of uh, relevance and significance within the idea of mediation and its purpose. And the first one is um, uh, by somebody called Joseph Schubert who lived in the 1700s uh, and his phrase, his uh, um, statement was that the aim of an argument or discussion should not be victory but progress. And I think that one's useful to reflect on a little because quite often people will talk about winning an argument or losing an argument. Um, and, and for me that's often quite significant when people say that because it, it's this sense that there's that something's got to be won from it. There's got to be a loser and a winner, rather than there be an opportunity for some kind of greater understanding or movement forward. And none of this detracts from the fact that people can feel very strongly that their view is correct in certain situations. But it's whether they see it as absolutely correct and that no other view in the world is possible, or whether they are can acknowledge that actually it's their view is correct for them but somebody else's view might be correct for them and those two views might be different um, and that has quite a lot of significance in 
whether conflicts remain stuck or whether they move forward, if we can accept that for whatever reason our view of things isn't the only possible view and that other people will have a different perspective on things, then that can often make a significant difference in whether um, any conflict that we have with them is able to move forward or not. Uh, it affects whether we're willing to listen to people, it affects whether we're willing to reflect on our own perspective um, without having to change it, uh, and that's something that I'll kind of describe a little bit more in a moment, but also we will probably look at in a lot more detail in later podcasts. Um, but it's uh, it, uh, simply whether we're willing to see an argument as something that someone's got to win or something that someone's got to lose, rather than an interaction that gives the opportunity for learning and change and progress, as, as Joubert's quote suggests, um, can make a lot of difference between whether we're living in a very stressful um, situation as a result of our conflict with another person, or whether we're actually almost to see it as, as quite an exciting opportunity. Um, but as I say, I don't want to start kind of sounding like everything's kind of fluffy and pink cloudy. It is actually obviously very difficult for a lot of people who are involved in conflict, but often that will be simply because there's some reason why they're feeling they have to hold on to a particular perspective uh, and really don't feel safe in letting go of it or not necessarily letting go of it, but actually at least accepting that there can be another view on things without them having to let go of their their own view of things. Um, so, so that's one quote. Uh, and as I say, hopefully as the podcasts continue to come out, you'll see more and more why these can be quite significant. And the other quote that I often use on training courses and in things that I write about uh, conflict is conflict is the beginning of consciousness which was said by um, uh, Mary Esther Harding who was an associate of Carl Jung uh, the famous psychiatrist um, and for me that's quite a significant quote because it is about saying that conflict is an opportunity for us to to wake up effectively to realize that something is is not working and needs to change instead of things just carrying on as they've been something has happened um and it may be a new thing it may not have been around in the past but something has happened that means change is needed uh, and so the conflict that arises through that kind of um uh that kind of event happening is an opportunity for us to 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 become more conscious to become more aware of what's going on uh, and hopefully then it being an opportunity to learn from. Um, and so, as I say, just to kind of finalise uh, a little bit more about how mediation and conflict coaching can look at conflict. I'm not saying that all approaches will see it that way, this way, but this is the way that we uh, look at it in the chaos conflict management models of mediation and conflict coaching. That some... Um, that there there are kind of two ways of responding to conflict which are always going to be ineffective they won't work and one is that we treat conflict as a competition where uh, i'm right and you are wrong and if you don't see how right i am and how wrong you are in time i might start to suggest that you're bad and i'm good 
uh, and so I might start calling you names and being abusive to you um, or trying to belittle you or to demonise you in some way um, because you just don't see how right I am and how my view is the only view that can be right. Um, and of course, if I were to do that to you, the chances are you'd want to do exactly the same thing back to me um, because often we don't want to hear from other people that our view is wrong when we feel quite sure that it's right for us but we may not actually go to that next step of saying it's right for us even if it's not right for the other person we might expect the other person to see things our way as well uh, and that's where a lot of battles happen and th but they become very personal uh, and as I was explaining earlier what that means is that there's no attempt to try to actually resolve the situation because it then becomes one of me winning and you losing and vice versa from your perspective so we don't actually move forward on anything we just continually have a go at each other um, uh, I often describe it like a tennis match where I keep hitting the ball over at you you keep hitting it back at me I keep hitting it back at you and actually in the meantime the problem which is sitting somewhere to the side of the tennis match just stays stays there nothing changes everything stagnates as far as that's concerned whereas the second we put our tennis rackets down we can start looking at the problem and start dealing with it um, so that's one of the ineffective ways of dealing with conflict the other way is is avoidance where um, if I'm having a difficulty with a particular situation or another person then my uh, way of dealing with it is just to avoid them or to avoid the situation and often that can be uh, something a way of dealing with things that people find to be quite seductive because it's like they're not meeting that person they're not feeling those uncomfortable feelings anymore because you know they're not having to interact with them but what's not acknowledged is that we then have to live our life depending upon where that other person is or those other people are uh, we have to think when we go out, is that person going to be there, in which case I can't go out or I can't go to that particular place. So it's not actually resolved it for us at all. It's just meant that we've had to limit our capacity to go out and live in the world and enjoy the world. And if it's a common response we have, then obviously, and we start doing it with various people, we can end up not going out at all because we just might meet any one of the many people that we're trying to avoid so we don't go out at all um, and so that's the ineffective response as well because none of it is actually helping to resolve the situation um, and so the final way of looking at how conflict can be responded to is in a sense to retrospectively look at any resolved conflict and to see that any resolved conflict will have one of what I call uh, the three cheers for conflict, the three positive things for conflict. They can either they can be learning, connection, or insight. And as I say, I won't go into depth about what any of these things mean at the moment because we can look at these more in future podcasts. But learning is where uh, we simply decide to do something differently. So something we do upsets another person. And it turns out that actually the only reason it upsets them is because it's done on a Thursday evening when they want to do something else. So it might be we do our washing at 11 o'clock in the evening and our washing machine disturbs them while they're having a, a quiet evening in with their partner or something. So 
we could argue about it uh, and say no I'm not going to change or we could simply decide well I'll do my washing on a Friday evening or a Friday afternoon or a Saturday afternoon or whenever but not at 11 o'clock so that learning is just doing something differently it's very simple change of what we do um, connection is where we're willing to hear another person's perspective and acknowledge that it's possible to have that perspective without us having to agree with it and as I said earlier quite often in a lot of stuck conflicts people just simply will not accept that it's possible to have a different perspective their you know their view is right the other person's is wrong as opposed to their view is right for them and the other person's view is right for them so let's look at how we can work together on this and acknowledge it and come to some kind of way of accommodating our different views without dis without wanting to destroy each other um, and many of you will probably be able to think of many situations both personally and internationally uh, where those kinds of perspectives are being taken where people are absolutely clear that their view is right and the other the other side's view is wrong and people are killing each other about those kinds of things in various situations in the world um, and it therefore obviously is an ineffective response to conflict but where people are able to see that the other person's perspective is valid from their point of view without having to adopt that point of view or agree with it then there's much more possibility for change and sometimes people would describe that as empathy I'm always reticent to go into describing it as empathy because I think sometimes empathy can be a very ambiguous term but simply being willing to see just almost on a kind of a clearly rational basis that somebody else can have a different perspective to us even if for us it would never be possible for us to see it that way um, can always be a step towards uh, effective uh, resolution of conflict um, and the final one insight is where we're when we're involved in a difficult situation we come to acknowledge that we're having particularly difficult feelings in the situation of difficult kind of yeah difficult feelings I guess difficult experiences in a situation and this is often overlooked when people are involved in disputes they tend to focus only on the other person and what they're doing wrong and they often don't get that chance to stop and reflect on just how they're feeling how it's affecting them what it is that they're feeling when these things happen are they feeling frightened are they feeling completely outraged and almost violently angry what's their feeling that's going on for them when when the situation is happening or when the other person interacts with them and sometimes simply helping people to reflect on that experience and to think well if I'm feeling that difficult feeling and as I say it could be anger it could be intimidation it could be fear it could be anxiety it could be um, anything that feels uncomfortable for somebody, someone um, helping people reflect on that and then to think you know no matter what the other person does even if the other person doesn't change what could I do that will help me with that difficult feeling in that situation um, can sometimes in itself almost resolve a situation because when people are able to find ways of supporting themselves in a difficult situation where actually they may not be able to control what the other person's doing it can mean that actually it becomes a much less destructive 
experience for them because they found a way of supporting themselves in that situation. Um, and unfortunately, what I see in a lot of debates that we have about things like bullying and uh, social media trolling and things like that is that very often there's this expectation that the only thing that can change is for these other people to not do what they do. And sometimes the powerlessness of that expectation is so overwhelming that people feel lost. But sometimes there might be things that the person themselves can do to support themselves, even if the thing continues. Um, and again, I'm going a certain level into this now, but we could look a lot more at that in future, particularly if any of you have wishes for that to be so. Um, but it means that the person has, gets a much greater sense of control over their experience because they're able to support themselves irrespective of whether anything external to them changes. They're able to look at why it is they feel that way, what might they might want in that situation that could help them and how they can provide that for themselves. And very often people create resolutions for themselves even if it's just through doing that because the external thing that's happening that they feel in an unresolved conflict about um, has less impact on them. And so if they're not able to actually create change externally, they're able to create that change internally. Um, and there are various, various things that we could kind of explore in relation to that and various people that I could point listeners to who are very focused on that level of support, that kind of way of dealing with difficulty, um, that acknowledges sometimes we're powerless to change what's going on outside of us, but we have enormous power if we can recognise it to change what's going on inside of us when we experience something happening. So that's where I'm going to bring it to an end. I hope you found it interesting. Um, if you have, please uh, indicate in any way possible that you've enjoyed it. Um, uh, and if you have questions and uh, ways in which you'd like to uh, explore these ideas further, then please let me know. And uh, I'll see you at the next podcast. Thanks very much for listening. Goodbye. Thank you.